This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. COVID-19 has revealed many cracks in our institutions, in public health, obviously, in education, and in industry in general. It has also revealed a justice system caught completely off guard, forced to adapt on the fly. Now, if we take this opportunity to do things right, it's possible we can start rebuilding a more responsive and accessible system of justice for Canadians, something that has been long overdue. But moving forward, can the key players in the legal sector learn to work together to implement meaningful changes? I'm Eve Figui. Listen to our upcoming series of conversations produced by CBA National Magazine in collaboration with the CBA Futures Initiative. After the pandemic, the future of justice. I'll be speaking with guests drawn from different areas of the legal profession on these topics. Don't miss these bonus episodes right here on The Every Lawyer, coming to you in May 2020. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlise Silver-Sweeney. The word change doesn't even begin to cut it. We're recording this episode roughly six and a half weeks after the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Zoom drinks are the new happy hours. Slack messages are the new knock on the office door. Lawyers and firms across the country have quickly transitioned online, and some better than others. So today, we're going to speak with two guests who have expertise in our new virtual reality. We're trying to glean as much as we can about how they navigate this online space. And on that note, we're all recording from the comforts of our own home. We regularly record in a studio, so please excuse any change in sound quality. Our guests today uh, are Donna Purcell, and she is a personal injury employment and civil litigation lawyer located in Red Deer, Alberta. She's a partner at Warren Sinclair, and she's been actively building a remote practice prior to the COVID-19 crisis, which we'll talk about with her in a minute. Robert Harvey is a family litigation and collaborative lawyer, and he's also centered in Alberta, but in Lethbridge at his own firm, Harvey Denbach Pollock. He's a former bencher, and he's worked with clients on access to justice issues, and so we'll definitely talk to him about to help people navigate this new online space. So thank you both so much for being here today. And by here, I mean in your home offices, uh, as all three of us navigate working from home. So we're, just for our audience, we're recording this episode in the last week of April, which is about six and a half weeks since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. The first question I had for both of you was, can you talk through how your work has transitioned since this time? So I know that both of you, the reason we're chatting with both of you is because you're not new to virtual uh, workspaces, but can you tell me a little bit about what the differences have been since you've had to work fully from home. So, Robert, why don't we start with you? All right. As you've said, I, I've developed, a, I guess, a digital practice for a few years now. And so um, my files and whatnot have, have been online. So that's not a new development. I set up a new office just over a year ago, contemplating part-time work from home. And we basically pushed everything at that time into the cloud. 
So our file storage is all in the cloud. We're using OneDrive. Our uh, accounting is all in the cloud. We use a program called Cosmolex. And then obviously our productivity type stuff with uh, word processing and calendaring and whatnot, we're, we're using uh, Office 365, which is all cloud-based. Uh, to begin with, when this thing started to come about, the transition was fairly easy in a sense in terms of the technology. So I was already working from home a couple of days a week, and that just transitioned into pretty much five days a week. So that was the easiest part. The more difficult part was early in the development of the pandemic, um, probably before my partners really saw it as necessary, uh, I suggested we lock the office down. So around the first week or shortly after the first week of March, we actually locked the front door. We put a sign on the front door. We changed our website to let our clients know that we're doing business, but that we're not doing in-person business. And that with very few exceptions, the clients will not meet with, with lawyers any longer other than to, when necessary, to sign documents. And so we've created some protocols to allow clients to do that as safely as possible. Two of us do family law, Tyler Pollock and myself, and we've mostly been at home. Uh, my wife is also a personal injury lawyer in the same office. She's about half time at home. And then I have a partner who's a solicitor and he tends to need more documents signed and sent for registration and so forth. So he is more or less in the office still full time with a locked front door. And his assistant is there full time with, again, the locked front door. So there's mostly just the two of them with my wife half time. We let go our receptionist um, probably about two weeks after we locked our doors. And so those are the changes primarily we've made. In terms of my practice, I do full-time family law. It has changed somewhat uh, because we can't access the courts, and that's been difficult. I've had one emergent application last week by a telephone conference. So there's been, in some cases, not a major change. In other cases, some significant change. The one thing that struck me is there is an odd emotional aspect to this that I didn't foresee, even though my life hasn't changed dramatically, dealing with the uncertainty of, of the future in terms of what's going to happen in the world, in my community, that's, I have good days and bad days. And I didn't see that really coming until really last week or two. So that's kind of my thumbnail. Yeah, that's really interesting. We'll have to talk a little bit more about the emotional aspects of living and working through a global pandemic as well. And, you know, I have some questions coming up about the lighter aspects too, about how you continue to socialize with your teams, how you continue to motivate your teams. But um, just something that I wanted to reflect on, it sounds like the transition was relatively smooth for you because of some of the tools and software that you had in place already, um, such as your OneDrive, your cloud setup, your, your, your workflow essentially was online. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's one of my motivations in opening a new office, to be honest. Well, that was some good foresight now, wasn't it? Um, Donna, let's go to you now. So can you describe what your transition has been like during this time? Well, basically, um, I'm kind of an entrepreneurial type. So already uh, before, about 20 years ago, I was in a, a serious car accident where I had a, quite a, a serious concussion and um, uh, some other issues where I ended up in, in a wheelchair. And 
I, I you know, just transitioned then into, uh, you know, while I was getting diagnosed and seeing all these experts all over the province, I, I just, uh, you know, the next day started my remote office and went, to, you know, went into work in a wheelchair and that was about it. I'm just saying that I already was set up. Yes, currently what we've got is a Microsoft team and, uh, you know, into the cloud and we've got IT people. I've, I've turned completely paperless. I had made the decision in January just because of trees to become totally paperless, not just digital. I was always digital because my, my daughters were traveling everywhere. Donna, you mentioned paper, how you're paperless, and that's a really big issue when it comes to virtual and remote offices, particularly for people who weren't as adept in this space as both of you and don't have the um, infrastructure in their home already set up. I'm seeing on Instagram friends, you know, suddenly ordering printers and setting that up. But what does paperless look like? So Rob, we'll go back to you. Have you gone paperless or how, how are you navigating this? Yeah, uh, probably three years ago or so, I began basically scanning all documents on my files. It creates a little extra work at the front end, but over the long haul, it, I think, reduces significant time constraints. And it's great for clients because if they phone me, you know, the old days it was asking your assistant, can you go dig out this file? And then they bring it into your office. And sometimes you'd wade through 15 inches of file to find what the client wants to know. Right. With uh, digital practice, everything's available all the time. And particularly when I was, I was a bencher at the Law Society, I work still with the National Self-Represented Litigants Program. I was doing a lot of, uh, time in airports with a digital practice um, and not having paper, um, I could do most of my work with an iPad, which is amazing. So I can be on a plane and most planes, airplanes now have Wi-Fi and I could do work and access my files and access client documents and disclosure. So, uh, so my experience for the last three years has been, there's very little paper original agreements that are signed we'll keep on the files obviously wills and that sort of thing but for the most part clients bring disclosure in and either they get it back or i shred it wow okay so you've been set up like that and donna you're paperless as well well i i've gone from saying paperless office because i i pretty well still have all the paper <laughs> but uh, uh it's digital so Anything that, so as, so I started this probably about 10 years ago, uh, but as of um, January, I said, we're not going to print any more paper, like rarely. Since everybody's sending in things digital now, we're just going straight to digital. If it comes in through the mail, I started this about seven years ago, is we just scan it. So we scan it, we process and put it into things we called affidavit of records uh, for evidence and that. And so we, I actually keep the paper because I say to the Law Society, when am I safe to destroy it? Because I don't understand all this cloud and IT business. And so I still have the paper. Uh, but if it comes electronic, I'm no longer printing the paper. So the scanner is not expensive. Uh, you can do your home office for under $1,000. I think that's what we, we have on the CBA uh, on demand here in Alberta. There's a lot of things that you can do at very, very little expense. So I, I recommend, I keep taking notes every time I hear him. And so we're, we're doing it so we can do uh, remote office, uh, remote, uh, sorry, remote lawyer, remote staff, remote client we're set up now 
what's new is all the Zoom and the WebEx and the Skype and the, the office teams, like whatever, different lawyers want different things. So we're hoping to get consensus on what to use so people don't have to buy everything. But mostly you click on links and you get things done. So I don't have to see anybody. And, uh, you know, here in Red Deer, we have, I think the last I heard was one case. And so I don't see anybody, but, uh, you know, I still do come into my office office, but every night I take home, if there's something I do like in paper format, uh, I take it home in my traveling briefcase in case I wake up with the sniffles the next day so I don't skip a beat. <laughs> Right. So speaking of not seeing anybody, um, I just wanted a quick question to both of you about how physical social distancing measures have made your practices more difficult. Um, what does that look like as you navigate this new time? It's made my very much more social. So when I have clients that come, uh, you know, they have to wait out in the, the wait room or whatever pre uh, what's happening here. But now that I've actually had to kind of, uh, you know, I used to be sort of way ahead with paperless office and that, but everybody else was catching up. So uh, I now have all the technology to uh, rather than travel hours to, because uh, I'm in Red Deer, it's hour and a half to Calgary, uh, where my second home is an, an hour and a half to Edmonton. I now save three or four hours a day on travel. So I meet people a lot more for board meetings, for clients, for court cases. I'm right now in the middle of my very first virtual mediation as I talk with you because we just took a lunch break now and they've ordered me to come back at a certain time. And, and uh, so, yeah, so, so I, I am actually in my little red deer world where I travel and I do a lot of uh, work in the community on provincial boards and stuff. I have gained efficiencies like you cannot imagine, which is shockingly <laughs> surprising, maybe, but it's so simple, this technology, like I can't believe it. Right, okay, so you're, you're gaining efficiencies. And Robert, how about you? What, have, what obstacles have social distancing measures presented for you in your practice? Uh, I think there's a challenge. I mean, uh, I would agree with Donna that the, the use of new technology. I wasn't really using video conferencing at all before this happened. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been really beneficial on a certain level, but I think particularly in family law, there is a, uh, there's a balance between um, clients not having to come down to your office and being able to meet with you virtually either on, online or by phone. But because of the dynamics of a family breakdown, I think there is something that is missing in terms of your ability to show empathy with your client and to feel their, their, their angst when you're not there in the same room. And, and likewise, I was in a court application last week, again, by telephone, without being able to look a judge in the eye and read them, uh, I'm... I'm not sure about the cost benefit. There definitely is a benefit not having to sit in court for two hours to wait mm -hmm. for a matter to get called versus phone the judge at 10. But uh, I think there, there's going to be some interesting debrief once this thing resolves as to the cost benefit of some changed processes. And those are the two things that jump out at me. Right, for sure. That emotional piece you're missing, that the reading body language and... and um, 
those types of signs and the importance of that in the practice of law. So something that you both mentioned was the ability to interact with people, socialize with people. How has that changed for you? And how, what, do you, what are you doing to assist the other lawyers that you work with, paralegals, students, assistants? How do you help motivate them and help them stay connected as a team during these turbulent times right now? So Robert, why don't we go to you with that question first? All right, uh, it's been a bit of a challenge, I think. Uh, and again, it's not something we probably thought right. about a lot, particularly because we're a smaller office. You don't think about management so much. But um, what we've done is we have virtual drinks at least once a week. So we'll all get on Zoom and chat about our day and our week and discuss issues that we might be having with, with my partners. Um, so we've, we've done that. Um, it hasn't included our, our uh, paralegal, and that's something we might have to change because I think she probably feels somewhat isolated. So, um, so it's been a bit of a challenge, and I think probably, at least for me, and probably I suspect for all, all the lawyers, you, you undervalue the, the community that you create, even mm -hmm. in a small office. So getting on Zoom and talking to people is nice, but it's not quite the same as being able to wander down the hall when you got an interesting point that you want someone's idea on, or even just to chat about something amusing that happened earlier that day. And that is uh, hard to replace. Right, yeah, those informal, you know, bump into each other in the hall, share a nice moment with one another. It is, it's hard to emulate over technology, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Donna, how about you? How, what have you done to help people on your team stay motivated and connected? Well, there's two things. Uh, as you know, of course, there's the, the recession health aspect to this. And I have indicated to them that I, I don't plan to draw a salary, uh, without first making sure that they're fully paid if I have to take out a line of credit, which I've, I've never had to, uh, in order to pay them because the court's doors are closed or whatever, I will do that. So I've let them know I'm there for them and I'm fully open and honest and communicate, uh, you know, and so uh, that I think is very important to, to know that they're important. And secondly, the main thing I've said, because I already have a, a distant assistant and the reason why I did is because I trained her from the college she had two children she moved and since I was doing remote I said why don't you try it and she works way less hours and gets as much done without interruption so I said to the other four if you do this really well maybe you can have your own remote office where they wouldn't have to come into work so often so I'm trying to increase productivity with the efficiencies and I've also said my phone is open 24 7 and I will if I've had to ignore them uh, during the week because I'm out uh, doing a, a training session for lawyers or whatever while I'm learning it then I say you know I you can have all my Sunday afternoon so let's be flexible because we all want to have a paycheck and we all want to to turn this around as quickly as we can and as safely as we can. So I hope they think I've got their back and by the level of what they're doing to assist me learn all this technology, um, I think that they fully have mine. 
Okay, so creating incentives and then just having some really clear lines of communication about future plans. So both of you have a lot of experience, you know, dealing with people who um, might have some big impediments when it comes to dealing with new technologies, um, as well as just, you know, the emotional burdens that come during these really rough and turbulent times. How are you helping clients navigate this new online world of seeking your advice and advocacy? Well, I, I'm a I'm a civil litigator, so I tell them all that I'm doing to try and assist the courts. Uh, we have an amazing courts uh, system here in Alberta. There's some severe impediments right now, so we're trying to deal with them. But the Court of Appeal, we we went and said, how can we help? And they said, well, we're already you know digital, and then basically been there, done that. So very leading edge there. Queen's Bench Chief Justice Morrow is so leading edge. The judges, 67 judges and masters, last week were all trading up on WebEx to get into the digital age on trials. And um, uh, provincial court, it's harder, but I, I, I want to go out and advocate for, for them as well. So telling clients that makes them feel hopeful. And that's my way of approaching a, a pandemic. And also, I can meet with clients that I used to talk to on the phone and couldn't understand what they're saying now that I know how to do this Zoom thing. And I'm not you know, whatever security levels and that, that they've increased and I'm comfortable with it. I can now talk to those clients that don't speak English as a first language. And for those clients that have to travel all the way to Red Deer, because my service area is big in Alberta, they now just, they don't have to travel. So I just make, I say, I just make lemonade out of it. And um, I'm very hopeful. I just want everyone to be safe out there. Okay, so it actually has increased your ability to serve clients. Um, Robert, how about you? I know you have a lot of experience working with people who have difficulties with access to justice. What do you do for people who don't have the right bandwidth to hold a Zoom call or don't have you know, laptops at their disposal? I think the trick is being able to find your client where they are mm -hmm. because they're already dealing with some difficult transition issues. So rather than say, well, this is what you need to do. You need to get Zoom, download it, right? Mm -hmm. My approach is what's easiest for you and what do you want? Okay. If they want to Zoom, so I've had some clients that want to do that, awesome. But if they're not familiar with it, I don't try to teach them. Right. I'll say, you know, do, do you ever, do you use Zoom or FaceTime I can use if you've got an iPad, but I'm happy to do a meeting with a phone call as well. The only thing I'm not doing, um, and I do feel a little bit bad, but, you know, is it possible that we could just meet for an hour? Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that right now. Yeah. For because sure. it's very difficult, particularly in a smaller office, to say, okay, well, you come in, but if someone else is already in the waiting room, you have to sit outside and this sort of a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've been fairly harsh on the in-person meetings are not something that we can entertain right now but beyond that uh, tons of email um, and lots of phone calls and i think most of the clients they don't want to be exposed to other people either no so my experience is you know if you're open to like i say take your clients where they're at um, in terms of the technology everybody's got a telephone and most of the clients have email and so those two communication mechanisms go a long way. Um, doesn't replace in person, but for now it's uh, it's working okay. 
Okay. So meeting clients where they're at, that's a really important takeaway for me personally. I know over these past six weeks, I've downloaded more types of technology than my computer can even handle. So I think that's probably some really sage advice for people to, you know, allow their clients to be the ones to also dictate uh, what that meeting will look like. So I know you're both very busy in your virtual worlds, and I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I did want to have one final question for you. And, you know, you're both so adept uh, in this area and you've been working toward virtual firms for a long time now. But what's one piece of advice that you have for lawyers who just aren't, who are so used to practicing in their office with all their assistants and paralegals and students, you know, next to them on paper? What's your kind of one tip as they navigate this minefield for the first time? My one tip is have an open mind, be prepared to innovate, and you will love it, and you will get as addicted to your uh, technology uh, while staying safe as you became to your iPhone if you're like me. And so uh, I, I really think you have to keep an open mine. Mm-hmm. My contact cards now have every single media device my clients have. I'll FaceTime them. I'm seeing them more. I'm seeing them more than I was through phone calls. Well, I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thanks for that tip. And Robert, how about you? Well, um, it's a struggle. My old office, um, they were not as enthusiastic, mm-hmm. probably different today. But I guess what I would say is start small so even in my old office, you know, I'd talk to my partners and say, why write a letter when you can send an email? Explain this to me. And then, and then I would articulate to them why, you know, so you, you dictate, you've got an assistant that listens to that. She types it out. She brings it to you. You review it. You read it. You give it back to her. She puts it in an envelope. She puts a stamp on the envelope. Somebody takes that to the post office. You can send an email. And the time you're going to save, if you multiply that by a hundred in a week um, mm-hmm. is significant. And so why don't you start with that, start avoiding letters and postage and because there's no point in it 99% of the time. And then if you adapt one small change, then the next change is less daunting right. as opposed to saying, okay, well, we're going to go digital and everything's going to be in the cloud starting tomorrow morning and lawyers were in a stressful occupation anyway, and their eyes glaze over and they go, nope, nope, I want to do things the way I've always done it. So that would be my advice is um, if you're not already adapting to technology, uh, start with a small bite, probably expand how much you're using email and then go from there and, and you know, or the kind of files, um, real estate, for example, w- w- why have all these paper documents when you can scan it in and then throw the file away at the end of the day and you have a digital copy that you can access for the next 50 years. That's so perfect. Exactly. It's just one day, one step at a time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks to both Donna and Robert for all the tips. If you'd like more information on virtual firms and navigating change, we have two resources on the CBA website. One is called Solo and Small Firm Evolution, A Practical Guide to Managing Change. 
and the other is the Legal Futures Initiative Guide on how to innovate. I'd love to hear from you on whether you're thriving or just barely surviving during these unprecedented times. Here at the CBA, we are thinking of every member and wishing health and safety to all. Tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at SS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes and leave us a review. We also have a podcast in French called Juriste Branché. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode.